Going back to Indiana. Whoa, I made that too low. So, so good that you're all here. Um, where are my small axe people? Where are they? Can they stand up? Small axe. That's our jujitsu school. Yes, we have to say it. Everyone, give them a hand. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Uh, th that's the school that Tim has been um, teaching us how to choke people arm bars uh, we're going to miss him I think I'm doing this wrong guys I don't I don't know this one am I doing this right am I using the bad one okay so give me another one because I'm going to lose my, my all right thanks man okay sorry about that would you turn with me to the book of Ephesians the book of Ephesians Book of Ephesians. I remember when I was when I first got saved, they taught me how to find the book of Ephesians. We would say, go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. But go to uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. Why don't we pray? Father in heaven, we are so grateful for this time and grateful that as um, we've already prayed, we're thankful, that, we're thankful that you've given us the military to protect us. We thank you for the men and women who have given their lives. Lord, we can worship Jesus freely. That's what it means to us. I've been in countries where you cannot worship Jesus freely and where they arrest you and they persecute you, but here we can give you glory and share your love freely. It's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. And so we praise you for that. We pray, Father, that your word would pierce our hearts, that uh, you would encourage where there needs to be encouragement. You would convict of sin where there needs to be conviction. We pray, Father, that you would do your mighty work. You would save where there needs to be salvation. God, I pray you would do this work. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a friend, his name is Ed Kagan, and Ed and his brother, they are really burdened. They know the Lord. They, one of them was an elder at my sending church, and they were really burdened for a particular ministry. And one of the ministries that they do at a church uh, in a place called Marikina in Philippines is that they're burdened for, uh, to reach out in the red light district. And you know, when I saw pictures, they, they forwarded me a file of the PowerPoint, and, they, and I saw pictures of, of the prostitutes who were coming out and of the children of the prostitutes who were coming out. And, you know, um, a couple nights ago, I watched a um, documentary on um, the children of the prostitutes in Angeles City. And I saw the poverty that was there, and I saw, the, I saw that they were... There was really, really no hope. They would live and they would die in that neighborhood uh, with no hope for education, no hope to better themselves. They were really right there. And as I looked at it and I watched, I said, God, this is so dark. There's nothing. What can you do? What can you do? You have folks who are lost 
And folks who can't get themselves out, there's folks who don't even want to get out sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes we get masked to that kind of darkness because the Bible talks about darkness in a spiritual sense. It talks about people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ with no hope, with no hope for this age, with no hope for the age to come. And so, according to the gospel, according to the Bible, the average American family with a four-bedroom, two-bath, living in a beautiful suburb, involved in sports, who don't know Christ, who don't know of his love, who don't know the gospel, who don't know of his salvation, is just as lost as the poor child of a prostitute in Marikina. You see, we've got something over us, what the Bible calls. And, and it's difficult for us to talk about it because we don't want to hear it. But the Bible calls it darkness. Darkness. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to read verses 7 to 14. And that's where we're going to have our concentration for this morning. If you want some notes, there's some notes passing around. I think we printed quite a bit. But Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 7 to 14, verse 7. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness but instead even expose them for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light for everything that becomes visible is light verse 14 for this reason it says awake sleeper and arise from the dead and christ will shine on you the title of this sermon is Walking in the Light. God gave this passage to you this morning so that you would walk as children of light. Now, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that would be the first invitation. And then the second invitation would be, if I know him, now to walk in his light. So let me give you a brief overview of what Ephesians is talking about. In chapter 1, he talks about um, how God has saved us. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, has involved himself, has planned for your salvation, if you know him. What it says here in uh, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. There is no love story like the Father's love for his people. God the Father says he has chosen you. Me? Yes. Before the foundation of the world, knowing what I would do, knowing the things that I have done, yes, this is a love that cannot be thwarted. This is a love that is planned, that is premeditated. This is a love that cannot be bent. And then he says here, this is where all your blessings flow out of. And I think at times we forget, even as Christians, we forget how blessed we are in God. 
He says here, you have been chosen before the foundation of the world. And then in verse 5, he says, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. And what did Christ do? God the Father elected us before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth in the form of man, died, lived a holy life, died a holy death for us. And he paid the price for sin. And what happens was, he purchased the price that I should have paid in hell forever. If I were to look at the mirror, the mirror of God's word, and just really look at what it says and to, and to compare myself to it, I failed. I failed. But the payment that is in Christ frees me. So God the Father has chosen me. God the Son has bled for me. And God the Spirit, here it says, God the Spirit, um, verse 13, in him after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit came and regenerated me, gave me new life and sealed my salvation forever. And so now I know because it's not what I've done. It's not the things that I've done. Do you remember that song we were singing, Cling to Christ? Man, I love that song. It's not what I do. I can't earn my salvation. See, when I tell people I am sure I am going to heaven, they go, you must be arrogant. You must be cocky. Yes, that would be true if it were up to me. You get it? If it really was judged upon what I do in this life, that would be cocky and arrogant, right? But it isn't based on that. Why? Because I failed. God's perfect standard requires absolute perfection. He requires absolutely no blemish of sin. And I can't meet that requirement. And so I have a go-between. His name is Jesus Christ. And he died on the cross for my sins. And now because of that, because of what he has done, not because of what I have done, I am sure. And so he loads you. He loads the believer. When you're feeling down, he loads you with all these blessings. What are you talking about? You're going through a problem? What are you talking about? The God of this universe loves you before the foundation of the world. Jesus bled for you. The Spirit guarantees your salvation in the end. What are you talking about, Christian? Being depressed. Get up! You ever get those days? You want to take the pillow, cover your head, and you don't want to answer your phone calls, and you don't want to answer emails, and you don't want to look at another face. But you can get back up and you know Christ and you have hope in him. That's just the intro. Okay, guys. You're following me. All right. So now he loads you this, and now he's going to ask you, he's going to tell you the commands, the imperatives that are based on these blessings. Because this is true, okay? Because God has saved you, because he has changed your life, your life ought to be markedly different. And now he says in chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, young folks, every week we say this, right? If there's a therefore, what? You got to check what it's there for, right? 
He's saying, after all of that theology and all of that blessing that he's given, he says, now be imitators of God. Okay, how do you do that? I know I'm supposed to imitate him. I'm supposed to copy him, verse 1. How do you do that? He gives you three different walks. Notice in verse 2, walk in love. And that's what we looked at last week. Our whole lives ought to have a sphere of love, an influence of love, of care, of concern for folks, of concern for God and his glory. Secondly, this is what we'll be looking at today, is we are to walk. Uh, verse 8, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are to walk as children of light. Another aspect of imitating God, according to the word here, is not only that we are to walk in love, but we are also to walk in light. And the last one it says here in verse 15, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. We are to walk in wisdom. So now we have walk in love. We have walk in as children of light. Then we have walk in wisdom. So we're going to address this walking as children of light. What does that mean? If you look at verses um, 7 to 14, everything is based, what God is saying in his word, everything is based around this phrase, walk as children of light. The word there for walk. He doesn't just say profess. He doesn't just say, say these words. He doesn't just say, confess these words. He says walk. What does that mean? As we said last week, it speaks of a daily habitual belief and behavior, okay? It is something that I hold true. It is a conviction that rules me. And because of that conviction, it causes me to live in a different way. It's not simply what I believe to be true. It's not simply, oh yeah, these facts. Yeah, I knew the Warriors were going to win last night. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. It's not like that. It is a settled conviction of what is true, of what is true about me, of what is true about God, and now I'm going to live my life accordingly. It is how this truth affects your daily life. It is the characteristic, habitual way you live your life. The word there, we're just breaking down this phrase, walk as children of light. The word there for children, children in the Bible can mean kids, absolutely, but it also, when it's used with an abstract noun, it can denote destination or character. For instance, okay, um, in the Gospels, John and James, they were, they were fiery guys. They would say, Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven and judge them? Jesus is like, well, no, 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 no. I did not come to judge. I came to give grace at this time, right? And he says, you guys, I'm going to give you a nickname. At our academy, we're really good at nicknames, right? We have tons of nicknames. And I love them, right? But <laughs> we could go on. That's another discussion for lunch, okay? But uh, John, uh, John and James, they were called the sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. Were they born from thunder? No. They had the characteristics of thunder. They were brash. They were tough, right? In Ephesians chapter 5, even verse 6, notice it says here, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. They have the characteristics. If you don't know Christ, that's how I was. I have the characteristics of not obeying God. I didn't want him over me. 
I didn't want Christ over me. I didn't want to hear when people preached. I thought I wanted to close my ears and not listen. I was a son of disobedience. That was my destination. That was my character. But this is different. That was in the negative sense. Now, God calls you, if you know Christ, he calls you to walk as children of light. Well, what does light mean? Doesn't mean grab your mag light, right? Doesn't mean grab your headlight. Light here in the scriptures talks about spiritual light. Okay. Spiritual light as pertaining to truth. Okay. Light is typically used as a euphemism, as a picture of truth. Truth dispels sins of ignorance and deception. The way I used to think about God, the way I thought about him, the anger I had towards him because of my family situation, the way or because of the way my life was going, that is, the, that is deception. It is lies. I thought evil of God, and God, by his light, caused me to see clearly. It is also truth which discourages sin of behavior. So in, in its basis form, what happens is, that man, because of his sin, okay, because he is at enmity with God, he doesn't want him, and you can just try this. I dare you. Go ahead. You go out and you tell people that the only way they can be saved is through Christ alone, and that they had to repent of their sins. And what happens? People get really angry really fast. They don't get angry when you say you're a Christian. They get angry when you proclaim Christ. Look at, uh, second, look at second Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Talking about this light. Now, I don't enjoy talking about the sin of man. I don't enjoy it. But it has to be done. If there is true love, we have to talk about it. Why? Because there is a substitute. There is a remedy. There is hope you could run to. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 4, this is why we need God's spiritual light. This is the ultimate, ultimate reason in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. He says, and uh, verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Verse 4, in whose case the God of this world, that is Satan, okay, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they may not, might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In other words, in order for me to see clearly, I've got to have my blinders removed. When I was born, I was born a sinner. When I was raised by my mama, I was born a sinner. No one had to teach me that. My friends taught me how to sin better. Right? But what? When, when I had people come to me and they say, Angelo, you need to turn to Christ. Angelo, you need to give your life to Christ. I didn't want to hear it. Why? Because what they had to say to me, I did not see the value in. You see, it doesn't affect me in the here and now. I don't see the value. And this is what I don't see. This is what, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what you don't see. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. They not only don't see 
the glorious nature of the gospel, but they also do not see the glory of Christ. What does that mean, glory? Well, we know what Steph Curry's glory is. He could shoot from downtown, right? That's his glory, right? What does glory mean? It's what he's known for. What I didn't see as an unbelieving high schooler in Vallejo, California, okay? What I didn't see was the glory, the majesty, uniqueness, the purity, the, the wonder of Jesus Christ. I trampled on his name. He was just a cuss word until he arrested my soul. And I saw his beauty because now in him I'm forgiven. And I have freedom in Him. And I'm a new creature in Him. And that's why we need this light. Do you understand? And if you have seen this light of Christ, then it automatically, by God's grace, automatically changes the way you see the world, the way you walk, the way you live your life. So, in summation, what does walk as children of light mean? It means to believe and to live as those who have seen the glory of Christ, realize the truth of Scripture, and behave in a manner consistent with Christ's righteousness to bring glory to Christ. That's a mouthful. Right? It means to believe and live as those who have seen the glory of Christ, to realize the truth of Scripture, and behave in a manner consistent with Christ's righteousness to bring glory to Christ. Now, when I was younger, I used to love to play with prisms. You ever get those in science class? I used to take them and go by the window, and as you flash it, you would see different colors. And the teacher would explain to me, well, you know, the light that you see is actually made of different components and blah, 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 blah. Right? And it's fracted in the glass, and it separates into different colors. And I remember that. But I think the, what the beauty was is, is as you put that prism to the light, you see different components of the same light. Right? And in this text, similarly, spiritual light has three different components that we could look upon in the prism of Scripture. Okay? If you want to walk as children of light, first, number one, verses 7 to 10, if you want to walk as children of light, now these are modifiers describing how do you walk. You have to pursue the light. Pursue the light. Now, in your notes, there's an L. Change that L to a P. Okay. Pursue the light. Okay. Pursue the light. Pursue the light. Notice he says in verse 7. Verse 7. I have to go back to Ephesians. And verse 7. It says, Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the world. You've got to pursue it. Paul says, In light of what God has done, in light of what Christ has done, if you truly do believe this, if the Son of God really did die for you, your life ought to change. He says, do not be partakers. The word there for partaker means to share. A joint partner. It means to cast one's lot. And the word there, what he's saying is do not partake. Well, how do you not partake? The first thing he says here the first thing he says is, therefore, do not be partakers with them. And then he gives a reason. Okay? 
For you were formerly darkness. I think you need to stop there, okay? Even if you've been a Christian for many years, you better remember where you came from. Right? Right? I loved it whenever my brother Mark had a fight in, uh, in the UFC. Uh, we all know he was from Lake Forest, right? But he said it always, the, the announcer, what was his name, Bruce Buffer, he would always say, by way of Vallejo. I'm like, yeah, that's right. By way of Vallejo. That's where we're from, right? Vallejo is only known for three things, athletes, rappers, and crime. <laughs> really. We, we, are, uh, we just had an article of being <laughs> the fourth worst city in California. We beat Oakland. No one said yay. I was waiting for you guys to say yay. No one said yay, right? But we joke about that, but that's the humble beginnings where we came from, right? But God says you came from humbler beginnings. He says you were formerly darkness. He uses a, a past tense form of the verb, you were, that's how you were. And then he says formerly to accentuate this. Don't walk as children of darkness. Walk as children of light because that's how you used to be. That's not you anymore. You remember that song we were singing? The old has come, the old is gone, the new has come. That's not, that's not the old Andre or Tim or Joey. That's not the old Jeremy, Jeanette. That's not the old us anymore. You're not in darkness. You were darkness. See, what I, I think sometimes the church gets wrong is we have to be filled with people who used to be this way and not be scared of it. Right? In our old church back home, we had former drug dealers. We had former uh, almost attempted murderers. We had former, and God saved them and changed them wonderfully. And the life they lived as even gangsters, now they live of, I remember even Joey's testimony of life and peace. He changed us. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. And he doesn't do this in a way to beat you up. Paul doesn't say this to beat you up. He says that there is hope in Christ. And notice he gives a litany of sins, a list of sins. And if you're not, if you've never done one of the sins, you could just keep going. You probably did one of those. Because I could find myself in about three or four of them. Notice it says here, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it says, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's the bad news. Do you understand? That is true. If you are in habitual sin against God and you don't see the glory of Christ and you don't want him, you will be judged. That's what the Bible says. But notice it was it says here in verse 11. This is the church at Corinth. He says, such were what? 
some of you. You used to be like that. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the spirit of our God. You were formerly darkness. Hallelujah. You've been saved and changed. Sometimes I, I dwell. You know. I think about. <laughs> I think about where, where we've come from. Dad left when I was eight. I was bitter and angry. My mom tried to raise two rowdy boys. We weren't ever listening to her. I'd get taken home by the cops. I'd sin. I don't even want to talk about it because I'm ashamed. Right? And someone was sharing the gospel with me and sharing and kept inviting me. And I said, ah, I'll go if I, there's no parties. I'll go. I'll go if there's no parties. Right? And they just kept loving me and said, come and they prayed for my soul. And I came and I heard the word of God. And I knew what the preacher was talking about was not the way I was living. I said I was a Christian with my mouth, but I was living another way. You know, you could be, people say, well, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I raise my hand. You know what? You could be in the garage and still not be a car. You get it? Just because you come into a church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Have you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you see his light? And so the encouragement for Christians is don't live this way anymore. You're not like this anymore. And the Christian knows when they go along with the crowd, when they walk with the crowd, and they just follow along, what happens? What? They know what? Even if they partake, they go, I'm not supposed to be here. I know it. I'm sinning against God. That was my old life. It's changed now. So God says, we walk as children of light. Because why? You were formerly darkness. So release your past. Release your past. Secondly, there is... To realize your role now that you are light in the world. Your life ambition now is to bring glory to God. Matthew chapter 5 says, Nor do men light a lamp and put under the peck measure, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that you may see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. Following on. Following on, pursue the light because you are a new person. Pursue the light because you have new desires, new desires. Notice he says here, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And what he's saying here is fruit. And he uses the term fruit to show that there is a visible representation of what has happened in the inside. If, in fact, you've truly come to Christ and you are walking in the light. Um, God says that there will be goodness and righteousness and truth. Because when God truly grabs hold of someone's life, there is an inevitable fruit. It is the effect of being born again, of being a child of light. Hey, Manny, can you turn on the AC? I'm getting hot up here. Please. You could say you're a Christian, but if there's no fruit, there was never any light. Now, 
notice he says here, look at, um, let's look at, uh, let's look at Jesus' words on this, okay? I'm not saying this. I'm not creating it. The church is not saying it. Jesus is saying this, okay? Matthew chapter 7. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Notice he says here in Matthew chapter 7 and in verse 18. Jesus is talking about people who say they're believers. Talking about people who say they're Christians. He says, this is how you'll know. Verse 18. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Jesus just reiterates this idea that you will not know them simply by their confession. You will not know them if they wear a cross on their rings or on their necklace. You will not know them if they've joined a club, if they've checked off a mark in a church membership. You will not know them that way. How will you know if they are truly a Christian? You will know them by their fruit. Every time God saves someone, truly saves someone, they have a marked change in their life. Even if they come into a house where their parents are Christians and they've gotten saved young, you could ask a young person, I was a rebel before I was five, and then at six years old, I got saved, and I'm changed. And now I love righteousness, and I love truth, and I love holiness. So what happens is, God is saying to pursue walking as children of light. Why? Because you're not that person anymore. And also because you have new desires now. You desire goodness, which means to be innately good, sound, beautiful. You desire righteousness, which means holy, right, and true. You desire truth, which means you don't want to be deceptive anymore. See, the things that you, before as a non-Christian, that you love, and the things that you hate, when you come to Christ, he changes your heart such that it switches. And now the things you used to hate, you now love. And the things you lo used to love, you now hate. Is that true? Is that true? Did it happen to you? Is that what happened to you? Why should you pursue the light? Notice it. Lastly, there in this first section, because you have a new master. Because you have a new master trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Notice he says this in opposition. If you compare that to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, um, go back to Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 he calls you to do not grieve the Holy Spirit by which you were sealed for the day of redemption and if you remember a couple sermons ago as we were preaching through this text the word there do not grieve the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is God that the text is explaining that as we live our lives if in fact we claim to be God's and yet live in a life of sin and disobedience, we are actually grieving God's heart. It's not just, you gotta, you got to understand this. I think sometimes people think, it, think this way. They think that, 
oh, I've sinned because I've broken this law, or I've sinned because I've broken these set of commandments, which is all true. Okay. But the real focus of it all, okay, because it, even in Ephesians 5, it says, pleasing to whom? To the Lord. The focus isn't a legal, forensic uh, disqualification. Oh, I didn't fulfill this law, although that is true. That's absolutely true. The focus is that you have offended a high and holy God. You grieve the spirit of God. You are a pipsqueak on earth shaking your fist on the God of wonders. Saying, I can do whatever I want with my life. You can't own me. You can't even control if a car hits you because of a drunk driver. You can't even control any of that. Did you know that? And some of you will know this. Maybe if you get older a little bit, you can't even control the fabric that holds your life together. And God says this, right? If you've sinned against him, you are sinning a high, holy, um, high and holy offense to God himself. But in Christ, if you've been saved and changed, you actually are learning, what does it say in Ephesians chapter 5? Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. You actually grow. You grow in how to apply God's word in my life. And so, instead of saying, oh, I just broke that law, I'll, I'll try better next time. You know, I'm kind of going to equal it out somehow at the end of my life and I'm going to be just fine. Rather than that, the Christian knows this. That every sin I commit is against God himself, Christ himself, the one who died for my sins. And it is not just a legal forensic offense. It is an offense to the person himself. If I were to say to my wife, oh, you know, you know, I, I, I cheated on you, but, you know, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's going to be... It's going to be okay, you know, I, I, I ask for forgiveness and it's over. What would you say? What would you say to me? What would you say? How can you treat her like that? What would you say? I would say, well, it's over. She forgave me and it's done. What would you say? You would say, how dare you? You have offended her highly, wouldn't you? We understand that, right? If someone cheated on you, you would, you would say, you have offended me. It's not that she just did wrong. You offended me. You hurt me. That's what God is saying about you. If you don't turn to him, you offend him. But on the inverse, if you know Christ, you can please him. Amen. You could honor him. Now, he says, pursue the light. Secondly, shine as the light. Notice he says in verses 11 to 13. In verses 11 to 13, the light reveals sins. It says here, and do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. And he says, don't participate, don't join in, and he says unfruitful. That is opposed to the fruit he's talking about prior. It lacks substance. It really will not matter. It's wasteful. And then he uses this term, instead, even expose them. This idea is to convict or to reprove. Now, this is hard, brothers and sisters. 
this is hard. Okay? The Bible calls us to shine. You understand? The Bible calls us to shine as lights. And part of that shining requires that whenever there's a sin against God, I have to tell you. I have to make it known. You know, sometimes I think it's kind of funny, you know, when I'm, um, I'm not trying to warn people. I'm not trying to do anything, right? Uh, I'm not trying to scare people. But sometimes when they, when uh, uh, I remember when I, I first got saved, I was in the back of the bus. I think we were going to a wrestling tournament. They were telling um, dirty stories, dirty jokes. And I used to just jump in that before. And then I got saved, and it was no longer funny to me. It wasn't funny because I know that I was offending God. It was not pleasing to him. And so I just stopped. I stopped listening. I stopped laughing. Um, I said, I'm not participating. I'm not going to join. By God's grace, he gave me that strength. What started to happen is they said, well, we have to apologize to Angelo. And I did nothing. I didn't tell them to apologize to me. I didn't say that it was evil or wickedness. All I, all I was, I was just there. I was just desiring to honor God. And what happened was God himself exposed the sin. Showed them that there is something, there is something there that is wrong. And in their conscience, it was riled up. You see, God uses us as salt and light in this world. No, it's not right when babies are killed. It is not right when uh, families leave their uh, when a father leaves their families. It is not right when a woman leaves her family. It is not right when a kid punches their mom and puts it on YouTube. It is not, no, we're not, it's not right. We're going to call a spade a spade. We're going to call sin, sin. We're so busy trying to not offend people, right? We're so busy trying not to offend people when we do that, we offend the only one who really matters, God. If I offend folks, I'm sorry. I'd rather offend you than I would offend God. I've got a superior. We understand that, those in the military. We understand I've got a superior I've got to report to. I'm sorry if it offends you. Now, I don't do it nasty. Okay. I don't do it like, oh, like... Westboro Baptist Church. I'm not going to do it like them. I'll say the name because that's evil. That's wickedness, right? I'm not going to do that, right? I'm going to come to someone and kindly say, hey, you're going the wrong way. I was going the wrong way too, but there's a Savior. Or as two beggars coming together, hey, I know where we could find bread in Christ. See, people don't want to hear that. They, they're they're going to militate against exposing sin. Look at John chapter 3. Now, I'm going to share the most famous verse in the whole Bible, okay? And then the verses right after them are the least famous verses in the whole Bible. Look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And Jesus picks up, and he's still talking about light, right? In John chapter 3, verse 16, the most famous verse in the whole Bible put on every football game every basketball game john chapter 3 and verse 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal 
life. Notice he says there, we know that. That if you trust in Christ, he will give you eternal life. He will change you. That's what he promises. Now verse 17. Keep reading. Because I, I guarantee it's the least famous verses, right? For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might save him through him. Verse 18. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Notice, what does he say? What does Jesus say? If you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in Christ, you're already judged. That's the verse. So if you say, yes, I believe in Christ, then you have decided for Christ. If you say, no, I don't want him, then you've said no to him. If you say, wait, I'll wait, decide later, you said no to him. Right? It says here, you're already judged. And then it says here, notice it says here, verse 19. And here is the indictment, okay? This is hard words. I don't enjoy saying this, okay? Here's the indictment. It says here, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, Jesus being the light, right? And men, what does it say? Loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? For their deeds were evil. Interesting. The word there for loved is the same word in 3.16. For God so loved, agape love, sacrificial love. The word there is men, they love too. They love their darkness and that's why i was that's why when people were sharing the gospel with me i didn't want to hear it why because i know if they kept getting in my kitchen if they kept digging around they would get into the dark stuff that i liked and i didn't want them to talk about it why because that would mean i'd have to lay it down before christ that would mean i would have to bow to christ and i didn't want anyone over me but brothers and sisters, if you share the gospel and if you share the love of Christ, you cannot get past this sin problem. The sin problem is this. They cannot enjoy salvation without first understanding what they've been saved from. I understand God's love for the world and for me. When I know how much I loved my darkness. And I didn't want anything to do with him. That fight, that part, the heart that fights against it. You don't want to have anything to do with him. And yet God says, as Christians, when we share the gospel, don't skirt the sin issue. Light reveals sin. Light clarifies reality. All things become visible by light for everything that becomes visible is light. So the prism of scripture shows us to walk as children of light. We must pursue the light, but we must shine as the light. And lastly, we have to come to the light. And really, this comes first. This last section, and we'll, we'll finish with this. This last section really comes first. In verse 14, in Ephesians, back to Ephesians chapter 5, for this reason, it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine in on you. You cannot pursue the light, nor can you shine the light until you have first come to the light. And no, not coming to the light in death. I'm not saying that. I'm saying coming to the source of light, and that is Christ himself. And how do you do that? If you notice, 
In Ephesians 2, I'm just going to say it to you. What you have to do is you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not trust in any of your works. Not trust in how good you think you are. Trust in what he has done and he will change you. And he will save you. And it says here, Christ will shine on you. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. So, what does that mean? What it, why is he saying, awake sleeper and arise from the dead? In Ephesians chapter 2, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses, eight, uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and informally you walked according to the course of this world. The Bible has m- called us in our relationship to God, in our desires to God. He is, the Bible has called us we have no feeling, no desire, no want to honor him. And yet, God says in verses 8 and 9, and this is the gospel, for by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of work so that no man should boast. How do we understand that? There's a holy God. Man has sinned. Christ died on the cross, on the cross. If you trust in him and receive his gift of grace, you will be saved. You will be born again. And that's why in Ephesians it says, Awake from the dead, O sleeper. Let the light of Christ shine on you. And and I just end with this. Do you pursue the light? Do you shine as the light? Do you come to the light? Brothers and sisters, I pray you would not Follow your old life, but pursue righteousness and faith and truth and love and those who pursue the, pursue the Lord with a pure heart. And if you're kind of thinking about this and you're wondering what this means, I'd love to talk to you thinking about it. But what this means is that there is, you don't have to walk in darkness. He's not left us this way. You don't have to guess about life. You don't have to guess where you're going to go after you die. You don't have to guess what is the meaning of life. God has already told us. And he's declared it in his son. Walk in the light as children of the light. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this time. Thank you for all the friends. I pray, Lord, that your gospel would mark them. I pray that the gospel would find its mark on their hearts. God, we cannot save, we cannot change. You have to do that work. I also pray, Father, that you would glorify your Son in our, in our lives. Would we walk as children of light? Bless our fellowship time. Bless the lunch time together. We love you. Thank you for all the friends that have come out. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.